Welcome to the Weekly Woodcast with Dennis and Michael Woodworth, and we have a special guest in studio today that I've known for quite some time. That's accurate. To say the least, he has made an incredible impact on us in a multitude of ways in our community, our past mayor of the town of Bridgewater, a, a past educator in our high school. He has been an unbelievable volunteer and has been involved in so many different capacities that we're going to talk about today. Welcome to the studio, David Walker. Delighted to be here, Dennis. Love having you. When I actually sat down and thought about who I wanted to, to talk to in our podcast over the next 12 months, you were on that list because you contributed in so many different ways that people, you think, okay, well, he's he was the past mayor of the town of Bridgewater and he was a past counselor, but what else has happened in David yeah. Walker's story? I, I wanted to really get into the other parts. I don't want to get into a lot of, we're going to talk a little politics today. Or we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the world and police in a positive way. I don't want to get into the negative part of it. Um, but, and then also community involvement and, and what really makes a, the heartbeat of the community. Yep. What really consists of that. So let's talk about, well, you've been a resident of the town of Bridgewater for a long time, but where did David Walker come from? I know, but maybe many don't. Yeah. Oh, I'm a Where's the very, accent? very proud Cape Rutger. Yeah, boy. Um, still enjoy getting home and being out on the Myra. Uh, spent a lot of uh, good years in, in, in Sydney growing up. I graduated from uh, Sydney Academy. Uh, really, uh, my brothers passed away. My parents passed away. So uh, not not don't get home as much as, as I would like. Uh, my wife is from Glace Bay, so there's a strong Cape Breton uh, connection. Um, and actually the way I ended up here in, in Bridgewater is, a is an interesting story. So I, I played volleyball in, in high school and, uh, I'm glad maybe they can't see my size now and they say, wow, <laughs> what kind of a volleyball player were you? Uh, I was lighter then, uh, not much taller though, but I was lighter. Uh, so volleyball, I played through high school, uh, and looked at university, looked at, uh, Mount Allison, uh, which was actually my first choice and Acadia, and uh, really looked at Mount A, and they were a powerhouse men's volleyball team back uh, late 60s, early 70s. And let's just say that Acadia was not a powerful team. Right. So uh, I looked and said, if I go to Mount Allison, uh, I may not make the team, and if I do, I'm riding the bench. Whereas if I get to Acadia, I'm going to get to play maybe a little bit of university volleyball. So I uh, chose the, the good Baptist school in the in the, in the valley. It's been uh, Five years there. Uh, the first year was uh, very much an experience of being away from home. Nobody told me what to do except me. And sometimes me didn't tell me always the best things to do. I was going to say, how did that so, go? Yeah, so uh, 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 I ended up on academic probation for my second year. Uh, so I learned a lot the first year. Uh, but uh, it, at the end of the day, I said, look, those were five great years. There were a lot of socialization, a lot of good courses that I took that I look back on. But in my last year in education, uh, I had a friend teaching at uh, Bridgetown, and he let me know that there was an opening in the social studies department and might be interested in applying. So in the big book that lists all the schools and everything, Bridgetown comes just above Bridgewater. So I copied everything, did my resume up, copied down everything, sent it to Bridgewater instead of Bridgetown. So got a letter back inviting me down for an interview. And I said to my wife, uh, fiance at the time, I said, you wouldn't believe this, how hard they up, how hard up for teachers they are in Bridgewater. 
they're sending letters out to us, and I don't even know where Bridgewater is, and I didn't. I had to look it up in the map. And it was interesting coming down to be interviewed by uh, Lloyd Campbell and Harold Gabriel. I remember both so of them. So my grade 10 history teacher at Sydney Academy was a Lloyd Campbell. And a good friend of mine growing up through the, the YMCA was um, Gordon Gabriel. I said, I wonder if they're any related. Well, Lloyd Campbell was my grade 10 history teacher, and Harold Gabriel was Gordon's older brother. So I walked in and said, wow, this is like being home. So then, you know, 25 years career there, enjoyed it immensely. Uh, so, yeah, so it's a, it, it's a caper. That, that'll never leave me. That's always part of my DNA. Uh, uh, you know, we, we've talked in, in the past about the closing down of uh, the high school in, in, in Bridgewater. And I said, look, you never leave, you never lose your memories. Uh, the old Sydney Forum was part of my memories. It's not there anymore. Uh, so Sydney in Cape Breton is still great memories for me. I have a beautiful picture on the sunset on the Myra River hanging in my in my rec room in the basement. So it's uh, that's sort of part of that early part. But then uh, obviously now home is Bridgewater and that's where we intend to stay. You brought up the, the high school and the closing of the high school and, and it, we could spend three hours on that <laughs> as a topic and bring in past alumni. We may even do that one day, but... I, I do remember because I actually played the two videos we did about yep. saving the school and Hannah Wilkie was actually in the video and she said, you know, I, I remember as clear as a bell, like, wouldn't it be nice if we could be remembered for saving the school? And and I'll never forget that because a lot of people did fight for it. And there's a personal reasons and, and also, you know, community-based reasons why we needed it, why we wanted it. But you learn in life that not everything goes the way you feel. Yep. Exactly. And that you have to be willing to adapt. And that's human nature. That's who we are as human beings. We are so comfortable today in society. In most cases, we forget to, if you go back generationally, how inconvenient it was to be a human at one point, how yeah. difficult it was. So, you know, you, you try to understand from everybody's perspective. And that's why when you sit down at a table like this and whether it's just you, yourself and myself or four or five people, we all have different ideas ideals and perspectives on specific topics and we may not agree on everything but yep. at least we'll have an idea of where someone stands yeah. no and you know and, and i've always tried to focus on there's positives in everything and there's good in everybody and we're, we're far too quick at trying to find the negatives in situations and the negatives in people so when when the school uh closed and, and i know when i retired um, I predicted then, I said, you know, I'll, I'll live to see that this won't be a high school. I think the demographics are changing enough that we, we won't be able to keep two schools. The only thing that frustrated me about that situation is that it was held up that there was declining enrollments. Yeah. And we couldn't offer a course. That, so that, was, that was not accurate. So I said, uh, but I said, on the positive, what really impresses me is we had unbelievable leadership within the student body at, at, at Bridgewater Junior Senior High example of that and in the first few years and the number of years since we've uh, joined forces with with Parkview there, there's still leadership so of course there it, is. it's a new new group that are forming it's an uh, evolution at Parkview, led by uh, some, some great people uh, so yeah and uh, I still have a grandson who's 11 in grade six 
and he's walking around with a Viking hoodie on. I love and it. And I said, so he'll still no have... No disrespect for the Panthers that yeah, listen to the podcast. He'll, st- he'll still have that, uh, that uh, part of his memory bank going forward. And then at some point, yeah, I'll be cheering for the Panthers. Hopefully he'll be part of their sports scene as he is with the, the Bridgewater one. So it's... Uh, but but you're, you're right. We get very set in our ways because it gets comfortable. I don't have to worry about it. And I know everything is going to happen. Um, so we're not really, we don't embrace change and yet change happens, um, for all kinds of reasons, not always the best, but change happens. And I I think our challenge is how do we make the very best of whatever that change is? Uh, instead of saying, well, I'm just going to, you know, bitch and complain for the next 20 years. Hey, that's, that's counterproductive. It's not going to produce any good results. Let's say, okay, so this change has been made. What can I do to make sure that's as positive a change as it could be? So, so let's talk about community. Yep. Let's talk about the town of Bridgewater, which is located in Lunenburg County, which is on the south shore of Nova Scotia, Canada, because we're going to have people listen to this podcast all over the world. So I want to give a, a geographical idea of where we're located because yep. we're a small community of a little over 8,000 people. But, you know, in the surrounding area, we'll probably say, what, 20,000 to 25,000 yeah, 25, people. That yeah. really services the town yeah. of Bridgewater. But we're one of the fastest growing communities across our big country of Canada. And I, I'm sure a lot of our podcast listeners would want to know, well, why is that the case? What has it been done? Now, you... You've been the mayor of our town yep. of Bridgewater. You've been the deputy mayor. You've been a counselor. You started a counselor in 88? 88. 88. Yeah. yeah. And then in 91, learned very quickly that winning and losing can happen very quickly. Boy, so howdy. I lost in 91, uh, reelected in 94, and I was successful until 2016. Um, great. Great 25 years. Very. When I look back, uh, there are things you look back and say, ah, gee, boy, I like to redo that one over but that's no good that's either. life uh but a lot of really positive things i think happened in in the town you're right about the growth um every census since i think 2001 we've grown uh, we haven't grown by 40 percent, but we've grown and, and that's a key and i think that's something we should be very proud of is that that growth and people say well you know what is the bridgewater that grows well I don't look at it as what's about Bridgewater, although there's positives here. I look at it more for the whole county. I said, right. you know, we have so much to offer in, in, in the county from from the beaches all the way along the coastline, Kejimakujik National Park, uh, the shopping in, in our area, the central part and everything else. So I said, whatever your interests are, um, we can provide it here. And then when you get that little urge to jog to the uh, the big city of, 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 of Halifax. It's not or, too far away. It's not too far away. Yeah. It's, it's it's sort of a, you know, an hour in, and with the divided highway coming along, it'll even be uh, less than that. So we, I, I, especially since the pandemic, I said, we couldn't live in a better part of the world. We said it in our last and podcast. in a better part of the province. I said, it's just uh, fantastic. I uh, hear when I get to the cottage in East Chester and I sit on our deck and look out at the Atlantic Ocean and say, wow, I mean, this is a little piece of heaven right here. A lot of people, it's kind of like when, if you eat the same food every day, it could be the, the most delicious food. But if you eat it every day, eventually it just becomes a regular meal. And okay. I always try to explain to people that when I'm abroad, whether I'm in Cuba, in the Dominican Republic or any other parts of the world in the United States, I try to explain to them that 
this is a very beautiful part of the world that we live in. I think sometimes as citizens, when we live here, and we talked about it yesterday with John Swain and, and Nick Saunders in our podcast about we have a lot of people that are migrating from other places in the world to come here. Definitely. Uh, it's uh, it's unprecedented, especially with the pandemic situation, yeah. because it is a, a, an unbelievable place to live, retire, and raise your children. Yeah. So, um, I you know, it's sometimes you you tend to forget how special it really is, and that's why I'm I said to you I'm really focused on the positives and what we do in the information that we're giving people online. Not to say that we're going to have some controversy along the way, yeah. oh. uh, but the bottom line is a lot of positive to to give people uh, the. You look at Bridge, Bridgewater, especially right now, the trails that we have for people to live a healthier lifestyle, to walk their animals or, or just walk themselves or on a go on a bicycle. Yep. You have our, our, our LCLC, which I know that in the beginning, I remember historically, my brother and Mark Simon really led the way in the beginning about that. You have a hospital that really facilitates a lot of our needs it's not perfect. Nothing can be perfect when you're exactly. dealing with a social system yeah. that really provides the economic resources through taxation. But the quality of medical care that we have is, is and I know, because I've been in places yeah. where it's not. Yeah. So, and that doesn't, I mean, that Dominican Republic is so dramatically different that way. Uh, we did talk about Cuba yesterday in regards to their physicians and how incredibly talented they are, but the facilities um, are, are challenging sometimes, and we have both here, so that's great. Um, you know, our our facilities in regards to our, our soccer fields, our baseball fields, um, just the quality of life. We have a dog park that, uh, that we yep. put in while you were, you know, as the mayor, so those kind of things are all building a quality of life versus quantity all the time, so. Yeah, you know, I, I noticed when, uh, I told people when I was uh, living in uh, Sydney, I never went to Lewisburg, I never went to the Miners Museum, so I came to Bridgewater to teach, and I took the grade sixes, to Cape Breton, we went to Fort Lewisburg, we went to the Miners Museum, went to the Bell Museum. I'm saying that's, now I say part of the problem was I never appreciated what I had yeah. within a half an hour of, of yeah. Sydney until I got away and took of people course. back. So I said, I think it's important that we, especially the pandemic now, explore around Lunenburg County, go for a drive, take it down. There's, uh, every time I go for a drive, I drive by things and say, wow, I never realized that was here because you take for granted your own areas and say, well, I've got to go somewhere else. No, there's a, you know, a lot of beautiful things here, a lot of things to do here too. I've seen a lot of people post on social media going on day trips and mm. going on weekend trips to places because they couldn't go somewhere else. Actually seeing something for the first time, just like you did with Lewisburg. The, um, we also have people from outside our, our, our area that have come from all over the world even through our marina that comes up the yep. Lahave River now. Exactly. I, I, I don't know how many phone calls I took this year because my phone number didn't change on the Facebook page. Actually answering the phone in Cuba for the marina. And they're from people from all over the world. So it it, it, it is. It's it's a little piece of the pie in the world that really is quite special. And, and, you know, you've been a big part of helping build that over the years with some of the people that you've worked with on council. And why don't you just tell me some of the people that, the standout in your mind historically that really yeah, did well, help along the way. Yeah, well, uh, you know, for me the beginning was was Rick Lord. Um, uh, during uh, Rick's one of Rick's uh, reelection campaigns, I, I worked for Rick, 
Uh, that's when I discovered how a good campaign is run. Uh, I'd like to say I duplicated that, but unfortunately I didn't. Um, so I, I worked the phones with him, and I was a driver. I learned a lot about politics at that time. And Rick encouraged me to, to get involved in, in politics, so I ended up becoming a, a citizen on Parks and Rec. That's how I got my start. Uh, and then in 88, decided, hmm, I'd like to try uh, council. So when I look back, I think, uh, and more from perspective of mayor, you know, I, I served as a councillor under some great people. Um, Tom Bird was the mayor. He and I came, were elected at the same year. Uh, then Ernie. Uh, Ernie then, Bulliver. And Carol. Um, and Mayor Harry and, Cook and, and, before uh, that. Yeah, Ernie and Mayor uh, Harry was uh, before left you. before me. Yeah. Uh, so each one... And that's what I like about people. It's not, we're not a cookie-cutter council. We're not a cookie-cutter mayors. Uh, each mayor brings their strengths and their weaknesses to the job. And obviously, your key is to ac- accentuate your strengths, work on your weaknesses to try and improve them. But I learned something from each one of those mayors that helped me as mayor. But uh, along the way, you know, Kay Davis, uh, Kay was sort of I sitting close Kay. to me uh, on my first term in council. And uh, really sort of took me under her wing. Uh, she was the great uh, English person that would always say, that's not spelled right or that's very wrong. So it was, uh, I look back and what I liked about my time on council for almost exclusively was you could have some really good, I'm going to say arguments, but discussions and debates at council. And then when council adjourned, we all went to a local establishment and had a refreshment together. Yeah, that w- it was not a, an attack on individuals. It was an attack on maybe I don't support your stand on that. So it was the stand, not the individual. And I sometimes look at politics now, and, and I think people have made everything too personal. Um, things I'm involved in, if if it has to be to make a decision, there's always going to be people that aren't going to be happy with the decision. But it's not that they're necessarily unhappy with you. They're just unhappy with the decision you've made. Right. Uh, and they'd be happy with you if you change your decision. Uh, so all through it, there's just so many people that uh, I think played a part in what I look back now saying my political career was very rewarding for me. Yeah, I hope it was rewarding for the constituents. And, and I, just, I, I have simple goals and things I get involved in. If I walk in and you have a dollar, I'd like to leave you have at least a dollar fifty. So you've grown. I'd like to leave with you with a million, but that's probably unrealistic. So when I joined council in '88, uh, as part of Tom Bird's council, I think from then until when I left as mayor with my council, I think we move the uh, the arrow along the continuum along, and and I think uh, Mayor Mitchell is doing the same thing now. So I think. You take advantage, and, and I know there are people say, oh, yeah, you did A, B, C. Well, it doesn't quite work that way. A seed is planted uh, under Ernie Bolivar, uh, and A, the seed doesn't germinate until David exactly. Walker. I get, I'm there. I get to cut the ribbon. But no, if it hadn't been for the foresight of somebody way before me. so I agree. Uh, I think, um, you know, I look at the town now compared to 88 when I uh, when I got elected to council, or even 73 when I moved here. And I mean, things have changed dramatically. There's a lot of growth, and 
a lot of new people to the area. I, I still play the politician every time I'm golfing or somebody says, oh, where are you from? They'll say, oh, I'm from Alberta. And I'll say, well, I have to ask, why Bridgewater? Why Chester Basin? Why Lunenburg County? And it's interesting to hear from, because I wanted to be by the ocean, and the ocean here is cheaper than the ocean on BC, or I want it to be here Very for much. grandkids, or I just like the way of life here. There's so much beauty and so much everything. Else. So it's, 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 it's interesting. I can't, I can't brag enough that, you know, I'm from Lunenburg County and very, very proud of it. When you look globally, how we, you know, rank, and we talked about this yesterday in our podcast with John and, and Nick, we, we rank very high in the world on quality of life, the way we live here. And then when you break it down to where we are on the South shore of Nova Scotia, that quality of life is, I, is a, I think everyone's quality of life starts with their family. So let's talk about your family because you have a great family. You always have. I, I admire your spouse. I admire your children. You've always been a staple in our community as a family. So talk about your family. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's a tribe. Two kids, uh, Megan and David Jr. And it's funny, the, the junior only came in not that long ago. It was just David. And uh, he used to always say, why would you call me David? That's, that's my name. And uh, he's now living in California. Uh, he is married and is our, our granddaughter. Um, and he developed, obviously, a, a successful career in, in hockey at the uh, ECHL level, the Central Hockey League, and played one year in Germany. So met a lot of people through that, of and, course, and yeah. that translated. He now is uh, in the Junior Ducks program, which is under the umbrella of the Anaheim Ducks corporate structure. Works out of their new facility at Great Park Ice. Um, struggling, not struggling, I guess frustrated now because of COVID and how that's changed because you can't do this, you can't do that, and, and whatnot. So he does a lot of traveling with his uh, U15 team that he coaches, and he's uh, uh, the head coach and uh director of hockey operations for Edison High School. So, I mean, he loves California. He came home one Christmas and said, I'll never come home at Christmas time again. It was freezing <laughs> here. They froze the whole time. So he, I, I mean, know how he feels. He, he's developed uh, his life there. Um, Megan, our, our, the oldest uh, child, is in teaching in Bridgewater Elementary, sort of took over from her mother. So um, sort of a, a walker took over from a walker uh, and uh, has developed her, her career here very successfully and, uh, um, she has two boys, Walker, uh, which I remember somebody saying, you called your grandson Walker Walker? I said, he's not my yeah, son. It's a Comstock. It's a Comstock. So yeah. I said, it's Walker Taylor Hughes Comstock, the I four maiden names. So I said, I love it. Yeah, uh, his dad, Luke, came up with that idea. I said, fantastic. I love it. So um, Walker is the jock in the, in the two boys there, and Max is the artistic, the, the music. He's in gymnastics and soccer, but he's not the... Uh, uh, the sport fanatic that, that Walker is. Walker's a soccer and hockey guy. I uh, just eats it all up. And, and Megan uh, is a new partner, uh, Lindsay, uh, the principal of the elementary school, and they have a great relationship uh, there and a new home on Lakeview Circle. So um, I think both families are, are really growing and developing within their unique uh, situation. But yeah, part of, say the glue that holds... Uh, Megan and David Jr. and me together is without a doubt, uh, without Linda. Um, she's a very talented lady, taught for her career of 30 years, uh, uh, very compassionate and very caring. 
and um, she's very well very, respected very in the tolerant well. yeah she is <laughs> had me for boy for 46 howdy. years uh so uh, every now and then i'll look back and say uh and, and it was funny because a good friend of mine we were at the cornwallis inn in kentville uh, ending our year at acadia and uh i really didn't know linda at all and uh i was sitting around the table everybody having a drink and uh, i had to use the washroom got up to use the washroom when i came back there's only one seat available uh, and it was sitting next to Linda. That's how I met her. Wow. And it was a good friend of mine had juggled the seats. So there was only one place for me to sit when I came back. So uh, I love it. So there's always little stories sort of uh, along the way. But yeah, uh, I think family is sort of very, very, very important. Uh, and, and her family, uh, she has a sister lives with us and another sister and family in, in Halifax. So, uh, and they have a cottage where we have a cottage. So there's a lot of, Family stuff uh, there. Just difficult that uh, the only connection now with David Jr. and, and his wife, Lindsay, and grand, our granddaughter, Audrey, is by Skype. D- distance and, is difficult. Yeah. Now, it is. Skype is a lot better than a phone call. Boy, it is. But it is now. It's still, still distance. Like so we usually go down every November, um, our sort of yearly trip. We load the suitcases up with Christmas presents going south and then do some shopping down there. And there's Christmas presents coming back. So the it's, it's an interesting journey. We spend seven to nine days there and enjoy everything that California has. And just like I like going into Halifax, but then I like leaving yeah. and coming back to home. So we always say that flying back on from California. It was a nice visit. It was great to see our son and his family and see the in-laws, the, his in-laws. But, you know, it's really nice to get back home to our own bed, to our community and, and what's here. Talk about being a grandfather. I mean, I've watched you raise your children, and I and actually I had Candace Ernst in here yesterday talking about the old basketball days when Candace and Corey, you know, four and six years old, yeah. dribbling those little basketballs at the basketball games and shooting hoops at halftime. But talking about talk about because I know with my parents, their perspective being a grandparent is much different than raising us as children. So being a grandfather, oh, how does yeah, it feel? Yeah. It it it's just uh, it, it's fantastic and. Um, I know I'll I'll do things for 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 Megan and Luke to with the grandkids here, and it, it's more difficult with David Junior because I can't just say yeah, I'll watch I'll watch the granddaughter yeah. too far away, but for for the boys here I try, I try and do as much, and they'll sometimes think you know you don't have to do that. Uh, we appreciate that, and I said look, you, you got to understand this is very selfish. Uh, I said I'm a realist. Now, as you've mentioned. I got to talk to Glenn Carey because I don't believe the world is flat. However, there are some realities that I do believe in. One is that you don't live forever. That's the truth. So Your at, mortality at, at becomes more really and more evident. At young age of 72, I know that there's far more in the rearview mirror than yeah. in front of me. So my view with, with the grandkids is I want to maximize any time I can get with them now because I know it'll come to an end at some point. So anything I can do for them, so, um, you know, Walker has practiced tonight. I'll go watch the practice. I'll probably uh, drive him home after practice. Uh, I try and get with those kids any chance uh, sort of I can. And and the downside is I can't do that with my granddaughter. She's just too far away. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it's a a different experience. And um, sometimes if it's been not a great day, I can always look and say the nice thing now is when I had, or the bad thing when I had kids, they were there. I couldn't get rid of them. But now with grandkids, I can yeah. drop them off at their parents. I say, 
Thank you. <laughs> They're in a foul mood. Good luck. David, everyone that's watching this podcast or listening to you right now that's a grandparent is shaking their heads <laughs> and an affirmation that's agreeing yeah. with you wholeheartedly. Unbelievably so. rewarding, though. It's, well, it's life. It really yeah. is. It's it's a, the warmest feeling you can get in yeah. life is is family. And then you, you, you try to, we talked about this in one of the podcasts recently about the eagles and how they raise their children that, that the eagle, mother eagle will actually throw the eagle out of the nest and watch the eagle just soar to the ground and then, and then go grab the eagle and try to teach them to fly. fly. And yep. Those kind of things you try to do with your children along the way is teach them the components of how to, how to live life. And I think, I think this situation with the pandemic is really focused on needs versus wants. Yeah. We're more, I hope that when we come out of this, that we're more focused on the need portion of your life rather yeah. than all these wants that we seem to constantly pursue. And then when, as you get older, cause I've known you since, you know, you were in your thirties, late, late twenties, late twenties when I got here. Yeah. When you, you chase, quantity all the time and now you're chasing yeah. quality yeah and you know my, I'm that's sure, wisdom i'm sure my wife was here she, linda would pat you on the shoulder and said that's it then that's exactly right but she is sort of very strong proponent of needs versus wants yeah. and she'll say to me because i'm historically that uh no i lumped them together i said no you have to separate them because there are limited resources in, in all our families so you want to make sure you look after your needs and then you look and say, okay, oh, I do have a little bit of resources left over. Right. Well, what can I do for the wants? And uh, you're right. And I think as, as a community, as a country, you got to, sure, you got to look after the needs before you get to the wants. And there's probably sometimes that we make the mistake of looking after the wants and all of a sudden the needs suffer. Very much. I've learned that watching many of you I've studied a lot of people and and how they conduct their daily business not their vocation just how they act as people I'm really trying to model people that that have that strong foundation that make mostly good decisions we were none of us are perfect no so the reality is I, i've i've watched how people conduct themselves on a daily weekly monthly annual and even through a decade of life the your experiences outside of family lead into some of your interests and i know one of them is with the police association yep you have been heavily involved with that for quite some time so why don't you just expand on what yeah you, no uh when I was first elected, uh, Tom Bird appointed me as um, the, the police board in, in, in Bridgewater as per the Police Act of Nova Scotia. Um, we have a seven-member uh, board, three councillors selected by council, three citizens uh, appointed by council, and one representative from the Department of Justice appointed by, obviously, the province. So in, in 88, uh, Tom Bird appointed me to uh, the police board, and I had the pleasure of, of serving on the police board for a lot of years as, as a counselor. Um, uh, I, there's also a provincial association, uh, and I had the privilege of serving on that and um, rose to be the, the president there. And then there's a national organization, the Canadian Association of Police Governance, and I had the privilege of serving on their national board for, for six years. So then sort of when I became mayor... 
um, I took myself, or I said, no, I'm not. I'm not going to put myself on the, uh, on the on the police board. Um, I'll step away. I said, if nothing else, be interested to see it from a different perspective. And that was a valuable lesson. Sometimes when you get in among the weeds, you really don't see the weeds. And when you step a back, you whoa. So then there was uh, some changes in the, in the local board. Uh, Pat Capello was moving. It was the chair. He was moving to Winnipeg. Uh, Palma Shampoo uh, was leaving. And um, Rick Carey, I think it was Rick, uh, was the provincial government appointee, and he had resigned and, and moved. So they had a number of openings. So uh, I actually applied for the provincial government rep one. I uh, didn't get it. Darren Lipset got it, doing a great job representing uh, the citizens of Bridgewater very well. So I applied for one of the citizen vacancies and was successful and um, was elected chair. So currently I'm the chair of the Bridgewater Board of Police Commissioners. I'm currently their rep on our provincial board and currently serve as the president of the provincial board. And at the national level, I've sort of stepped away from anything on that. I, I still, I, I chair the nominating committee for them, uh, and I sit on the conference committee just because I love the uh, the work in, in the conference committee. So it, it it's unbelievably rewarding there, uh, but it's also very, very challenging. Um, there are... Uh, legal responsibilities you have as, as, a, as a town that you have to provide. Um, there's uh, technology challenges that you want, and, and certainly there's, um, you know, we're, we're very much influenced by American television and American stuff, so we, we think that that's how everything works, that within a 30-minute, since they can solve all the uh, forensic stuff in a 30-minute television thing, why, why does it take you guys 12 months? Um, so there, there are issues, but what I'm really pleased with is that I am comfortable walking around bridge. I think the public safety you feel safe, yeah. is that you feel safe here and, and in an urban setting. And my strong belief is in an urban setting, whether it's a small urban setting like Bridgewater or a large one, like HRM, having the beat cop that's walking downtown saying hi to people and whatnot that's still an important part. Yeah, you're in cars and everything, but we really push hard that... You know, I agree. Not in a snowstorm, but when the weather permits, you know, get I out agree. and walk around town, uh, you know, knock on the door, walk into a business, say, how things going? So I think that's important uh, here. Um, I think what really hit home for us at the police board level, and I think from the town level, was during the recent manhunt, how many businesses... And individuals just stepped up and said, what can we do? Can we drop off water? Can we bring pizza in? Can we do this? So supportive of, of, our, of our members and the work they do. And that was a very challenging time uh, for, for everyone. And the other thing is, as chair, we get monthly reports from the chief about, excuse me, training opportunities that have been taken by our members. Is the willingness of our members to take the necessary training, whether it be on race relations on use of force, a number of those things. So it's, it's once again, on a reward, a very rewarding uh, experience there. It can be, uh, you know, difficult at times dealing with another level of government, Department of Justice, provincial government, right. and trying to get them to understand our view on, on certain things. But uh, no, I, I sort of love that. We're sitting back excited now waiting for after an election. So 
the mayor will appoint three people to the police board. So within the next week, we'll say, is there any changes or, right. or whatnot? What will happen there? So it's uh, it's it's exciting. I know uh, Darren Lipset's term expires this coming May. Um, personally, I, w- I would hope the government would give him an opportunity to continue. Uh, I think there's always a learning curve, something like that, and he has really contributed well to us. So, uh, Darren's been somebody that's been proactive for a long time. I mean, been a staple. His family's been a staple in our community for a long time, and you're right. Sometimes when you start a journey, you learn so much in the beginning, yeah. and then then you can apply what you learn later. And that and that's what we I think value with the with the police boards uh, in Nova Scotia municipal ones is they have a very distinct and important role to play within the delivery of policing services, and it's the governance side. So you know people will say, so you don't. They'll call me and say. Uh, this happened on the weekend. Can you get an officer to do that? I said, no, but I can raise that issue with the chief. Uh, so the one person who interacts with the chief is the chair. Uh, chair is the spokesman for the, for the board. Um, there's a gray area there and that the mayor will make comments as well because he's making those comments from the perspective as mayor of the town and public safety is important. Uh, and, and, uh, David and I have a great relationship. Um, you know, that's an interesting what people say to me. Well, how can you be friends with him? He, he feed you. And I said, if you can't accept losing in politics, don't, don't ever in. run. Don't that's, ever. That's part and parcel. <laughs> and uh, you talk about people that had, in fact, I, I remember uh, first term on council. I'm at a function, uh, MODL ourselves. I think it was for Lunenburg County, the five municipal units. And Arthur Young. Arthur, Arthur Young, here. MODL. Yeah, and I said to Arthur, uh, he said, congratulations, welcome aboard. I said, well, Arthur, you know, you're the veteran here. And you got any wise advice you can give me? And I remember to this day, he said, David, just remember, when you get that one phone call at 10 o'clock at night from somebody unhappy, it's one phone call. Truth. Not 8,000. And I've never forgotten that is, and then I've always felt it. Whatever you decide to do as a council, there are going to be people that won't agree. Would agree. So you have to ex- sort of accept that. So it's, um, you know, in the policing, policing is, is change, and, and it almost maybe leads me to there's no need in Lunenburg County for five municipal units. Um, that's a model that served us well in, in the past, but we're a small geographic area. The number of councillors, I, I think uh, I'm pleased that during the uh, the tenure of Mayor Down and myself, we developed a very good working relationship. Uh, were we ready to sign on the dotted line for uh, joining together? No, but we made some movements. I think the Municipal Joint Services Board is a step in the right direction. Right. It's regionalized services. And if you regionalize all your services, one day you'll wake up and say, wow, why don't we just have one regional government? And, and I think that still is something I think we need to work on. I don't think we need five governments in Lunenburg County, but uh, uh, that's that's a battle that someone else is going to have to wage, and who knows? But it was in, I was delighted and interested in the experience of uh, uh, Windsor, West Hans, uh, and the the joining together there. I hate using the word amalgamation, but it's got a dirty connotation to it. But I said it, it's just recognizing that working together. Of building a stronger team, we just we build a stronger community, absolutely, and, and, and whatnot. So uh, you join organizations, 
you bring different skill sets, different attributes to the team. And if you can do that, you're hopeful that it builds a stronger team. If it builds a stronger team, you get better results. If you get better results, then we're even more attractive to people that live abroad that may want to come live here. And essentially, as leadership in our community, your responsibility as whether you're a counselor, the mayor, deputy mayor, whatever the case may be, is to provide or make decisions that are conducive to creating positive results in our community and its economy. And what I like about this then for format, Dennis, is that I can ramble and it's up to you to figure it all out and put the no, pieces what's together. No, what's, so, what's great about a podcast is that there is no time limit. <laughs> what, you know, I was, or, Nick, or even format. Nick so, Yorston used to work for CKBW, and we talked about that last night, is that what's great about a podcast is it can go as long as it has to go. We can upload as long as it takes. So <laughs> when you invite someone like yourself and who historically has made such a significant contribution, most people that saw your picture, when we did videos years ago when you were running for mayor, you only get a few minutes to make a commercial. Yeah. No one really gets to open up the book. And what's the book of David Walker? Most people, they don't sit down with a publisher and write a novel about their life. And that's what some of these, what we call profile podcasts that we do are really to profile people who have spent a lifetime contributing that has faced criticism in their life because they put themselves on the line as a leader in our community. One of those things I, I want to go back just briefly before you jump, because I think you want to go somewhere in regards <laughs> to a topic is a highly talked about subject in our town, which is the old wharf where this wonderful, beautiful boat is right now, which is being moved uh, in the very near future. The But the wharf, uh, there's so many stories out there that people, you know, you know when you sit at a campfire, remember the old exercises yeah. we used to do where this person would tell this yeah. person, tell that person, oh, all of a sudden at yeah. the end of the campfire, it was a totally different story. Exactly. You were there, yeah. okay? So 88 was when we sold the wharf. What happened? Yeah, it, it was. It, it, you're right. People's perception becomes their reality. Uh, um, and I remember before I get to that sort of answer, which is, this is a real politician. So they say, yeah, don't answer the question that was asked. Give him something else. So um, in 88, um, it, it, the federal I government I don't want to interject, but... It used to be a highly used wharf because yes. we used to bring yep. pulp wood, oh, pulp wood up the, yeah, lumber accurate. from all yep. over the world yep. into Bridgewater. And then they used to ship that through CN, CN yep. Rail because yep. my grandfather worked on CN yep. Rail. If you look at old pictures of the town of Bridgewater, which oh. I'll get Michael to put up on B-roll in this video, of the railroad used to run right by there. So that's yep. where we'd load all that lumber. Thriving and everything else. So in, but in, that changed in 88. In 88, I mean, the federal government decided to divest itself of wharves. So they... Uh, obviously weren't going to offer the wharf to themselves because they wanted to get rid of them. So they offered it to the province, then they offered it to the municipality, then they offered it to the private sector. So it had gone, the province said, no, not interested, came to us. So it was at council, and it was interesting because the same night, uh, Rick Wellsford was at council and made a presentation on his vision of the wharf and the uh, the Fraser and the uh, bed and breakfast, uh, dinner theaters and all of that that he proposed to the council. And we listened to it um, and said, you know, it's an interesting concept. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and that's what he just wanted to have a sort of a, on side. So when it came time for the wharf, um, there was interest around council, and yet, yes, in, in acquiring it. Um, what the engineer, uh, Harlan Wyman, mentioned at the time is, we should 
do an assessment first to make sure what are we exactly taking over? What are you getting into? So w- we could take over the wharf and all of a sudden find we're owed a million dollars right. in the next five years doing the maintenance. So we said, yes, we authorized a bit of an investigative look at it. And then ne- I swear the next day it was announced that uh, the Artificial Reef Society in Brickwellsford had acquired the wharf. So we were flabbergasted at that, that uh, it had not, that basically it came in a letter and if we didn't respond right away, we wouldn't get it. Because so. the old story is, because Ernie Bulliver was the mayor at the yeah. time, the old story was the town of Bridgewater sold the war for a dollar. That's the old story that's that I've heard through the years. Yeah. And that's not accurate, is it? No, no. And, you know, there's one thing where you say, if you could roll back the clock, if yeah. I could ro- roll back the clock and we're at the council chamber now, I would say, yeah, Harlan, I appreciate your, your input. But and that, that's valuable. That. But no, we're going to acquire it. And if it costs a ton of money to upgrade it, so be it. we'll mothball it. Right, but uh, that's sort of water under under the, uh, the well, bridge. Well, not every now. decision you make. Yeah, but, and it's, it's hard interesting. You, so you've actually decision. opened up the thing to a degree. Is and you know I talked uh, before we started on this is that um, I'll, I'll be with the coffee crew and we'll be hearing about a development and I'll say, well, here's what's going to happen. They say, well, that's not what's going to happen. How would you know that? And whether it's me being my crazy self now, so. Council posts their meeting package online before the meeting. So use anywhere from Friday to the Monday morning before the meeting. So does MODL. So does Chester. So do other municipalities. So because I have a cottage in Chester, I go through their package before every meeting to see if there's anything there that, as president of our corporation, we might be interested in. Right. So I do that with the Bridgewater Council. So I'll see that, oh, look, there's a proposal here from uh, Dennis and Mike Woodworth to build a, uh, uh, an apartment building and such and such. So I'll go to the document, I'll read the document so I know what's being proposed. Well, that's not because I'm a mayor. That's not because I'm the ex-mayor that I get privileges like that. That's there for any citizen. Absolutely. Um, and so we had talked about my frustration is that I have friends who I'm sure could name almost every governor in the United States. They could say who's Republican, who's liberal, what the issues are, who won the last debate and everything else. But if I were to say name the six councillors. They couldn't do it. And even in the election here, when I said name the candidates running for election, they couldn't name them. And I'm saying that's part of my frustration is I'm not worried who's running for governor in California. Well, we don't live there. Exactly. No disrespect to the the state of California. David (laughs) Jr. lives there, but we don't live there. So there might be some here, but I said, I'm more interested in knowing who's running to look after the interest of our community, who's running our province, who are our neighboring councils. Absolutely. And are they people we can work with, or are we going to have, you know, a bit of an argument for the next four years type of thing? So um, that's always been a frustration for me is – there is the opportunity for all the residents to know exactly what's happening in their community. They just don't take advantage of it. I talked to Glenda about this subject. We're, we're very busy people in our lives. The way life has changed, we used to work five days a week, and then the weekend seemed to be for family and other activities. And then it seemed like the economics of the world decided that Saturday and even Sunday, David. When Sunday, when we started to infiltrate Sunday, where it completely changed the economics and the way we interact in society economically as consumers, where 
if I went and videotaped, you know, Sobeys or Superstore, Walmart, Canadian Tire, Gow's Home Harbor, whatever the case may be on Sundays, you would see a lot of people utilizing its services. But, it, yep. but if we didn't provide it, I think we'd still be able to provide the services in the five or six other days. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not giving families time. We're, we're so busy making a living. Most families have a hard time making a life. And then when you ask people to say, hey, like John Swain said the other day, is, is get involved, get engaged, get informed. Well, you need time to do that. So yeah. many families today are just trying to put food on the table, keep their kids in activities in school or extracurricular yeah. activities outside of school. They're just trying to keep the budget balanced that when you say generationally a few generations back, we need to make a movement where we get some of that time back again. Yeah. No, I, and I it's don't. not going to be easy. Nope. It's not going to be easy, but I think it's necessary. That's the need versus the want again because the economy and the economists – the businesses that are out there trying to make 50, 100, 200, 500 billion dollars a year that you hear on the stock market and you in the Jeff Bezos and the Zuckerbergers yep. of the world, we shouldn't be even thinking about those people. We should be fighting for our time because time is valuable in society. I keep saying the same thing over and over again in my conversations is where are we going? Are we headed in the right direction? Are we really going in the direction that the human race, mankind, in this case, it's people kind, if you want to call it. But the bottom line is, is that we need to understand where we're headed because it may not be in the direction we want to go. Yep. And it shouldn't be billionaires to tell us where we're going to go. And I think the pandemic, to a degree, gave people that pause, whether they wanted it or mm. not. Uh, you know, business were shut down, were closed, just couldn't open. And I think people all of a sudden realized that, yeah, it is nice to stop and smell the roses. I know uh, one of the things I enjoy about the cottage sitting on in, in the family room or on the deck and just looking at the, at the ocean. And I know part of me would say, well, I'm not accomplishing a lot here. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. Yes, you are. Time uh, and, is valuable. And, and we're not burning ourselves, uh, selves out type of thing. And, uh, you know, somebody say, well, do you know, did you go to that hockey game? Did you go to see that recital? No, I'm too busy. I haven't got time for that. And that's, you're right. We've got to start making time for for family and for important things. And uh, we can, uh, I know I'm always guilty of, can't say no. So somebody calls me, can you you do this, can you do it? And that's sort of. My father uh, taught me that. Yeah, so I know when I was deeply honored to, two years ago, uh, be selected by council as the representative volunteer. And, uh, you know, that was before COVID, so we got the nice uh, uh, ceremony in Halifax uh, at the casino with the premier and the lieutenant governor, and then the uh, ceremony at Bridgewater Junior Senior High School. Um, so they don't have that now. But at, at that point, I said, yeah, part of me said, but now I'm the one saying, but now i got to scale back on my volunteers. How do you get an award or be recognized on a Monday, and they say, oh, by the way, on Tuesday, I'm dropping five of those things that you now recognize me for. Yeah, but, but that, that's but that the becomes, progression of, of anyone's yeah. life. I mean, yeah. you and can only contribute for so long. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, I, You I, need, you, 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 can, you goes back never, to your grandchildren. Yeah, you never give right? up being involved in your community, I hope. But, just but what you look at says, A, it takes me longer to do things than it did 15 years ago. And, yeah, I get tired quicker. Uh, so now it becomes, no, you don't stop being involved you just say i can't be involved as much 
or so, do it in a different way. Yeah. yeah. I, we all, I think we all need to engage, but I really believe, you know, I really thought a lot after John and Nick left the studio about how do we get people involved? And it, it involves time. Yeah. So if there's time, then that means we need to give people more time. If we give people more time, we need to increase wages because it means they're going to work less hours so that... But they still have the same bills. But they still have the same bills. So we need to look at a wage that's, that's going to be able to handle what is necessary in society. And that, similar to what Bernie Sanders is talking about in the United States is that there's so many people today just trying to survive and they're violently running constantly every day if we're going to provide a quality of life for the opportunity to raise children your grandchildren we need to really kind of reset the barometer and i really believe it's five days versus seven days and that's going to be a platform i'm going to talk about over the next couple of years in this podcast to, to make politicians aware at the provincial and the federal level that we need to scale back and the people deserve it businesses that make record-breaking profits, the Walmarts of the world, they don't need us for those two days. Or they don't need us for that one day. Let's one start day. with the yeah, one, one day, day. right? Yeah. Let's. And there's a, a, a young guy that, um, well, he's not as young as he used to be, but there's a young guy in Bridgewater that, that, that works, and he's been one of those guys. Sunday shopping has been his message for a long time. Uh, it's Tony Lonis. And, yeah. and, no, and God exactly love Tony. Right, exactly. Uh, he's, he's not the most passionate. popular guy in the world sometimes he's because passionate. people want convenience but but everyone deserves a quality of life and given some time so that they can focus on their loved ones and a guy like tony who doesn't make 40 dollars an hour deserves that time and he's always stood up for it and and been a champion for it and i've always applauded him for it because it it is the right decision to make We, we 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 don't think of others we think of what's convenient for us but we don't think about all the people that make the sacrifice to give us that little extra convenience that we really, honestly, David, if you need groceries or if you need to yep. buy something at Walmart, you can't go on a Wednesday evening. You can't go on a Friday evening. You need Sunday. I mean, really? Yeah. And, I just don't, I, think, I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, I think what, what one of the things COVID did uh, is because we were reluctant to go out and move around. You started to plan more. Yeah, absolutely. You started to look and say, okay, 100%. instead of every day, every Twice a day. On a whim, I have zip to go up, here. Go up here and get a quart of milk. Then the next day, go up here and get a loaf of bread. Well, why don't we start a list here of what groceries we're going to eat? We it. go once a day. And I, you're right. I think we've become so, we want the, how easy it is. Just go whenever I want, convenience and everything else. So it, whether it be any type of uh, business, we just want that convenience. You know, so you, you're talking about quality versus quantity yep. again. And I agree with you. Sunday, I really didn't think about it until I had a lot of time to think about it. And I think if people start to think, what do we really need versus what we want? I think this pandemic has definitely accomplished that. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that it has. Yeah. No, you're right. The, um, we're going to bring you back in the studio again because it's, it's almost like it's uh, the Star Wars saga. Of to be continued, to be the continued. next chapter, because sounds, sounds, there's so much great. I think that we're going to get a lot of comments from people online, whether it's on YouTube or Spotify or Facebook. Um, 
I'm hopeful that people will join me in applauding you for just being the type of individual that's been part of the solution and not part of the problem. I think it's important too because uh, don't sort of put me out there as the, as the special person. I think no, we, all, we all have an opportunity. To, we all have an opportunity to, to play a part in the in the in the growth and development in this case of our town Bridgewater uh, of making life for all of us. Uh, all of us um, better here. And uh, I, I said, I look back and say, I think I played a role. You did. But so did all Many. of the other counselors. And um, uh, you, you'll love this one. This is uh, R.A. R. Dickey. So R. I, I, Dickey. I've got this on, on my wall. And it's he's, a great quote. He's got the picture and says, isn't it amazing what we can accomplish when we don't care who gets the credit. Exactly. And I said, there's so many people that they're not worried about the outcome. It's just, I want credit. I want credit. And I'm saying, nah, I don't care. I said, if I brought in a great idea and the, you know, the, the gender got credit for it, I don't care because it's the idea and it produced. So uh, in the councils I've served with, I say, well, I always look back and say, that council made that decision that's proven very good. And I said, all you can do is you make decisions on the best information you have at the time. Looking back, you can say, ooh, that wasn't the best information. It's been proven that that's not the right. Well, that's fine. But you won't make any footsteps in the sand going forward if you just stand still. David, you just read my mind. You literally yeah. read my mind about footprints in the sand. It It's about leaving behind your footprints. And, and people need another story of the footprints. Because they start from somewhere. And today was about just telling people where David Walker started. And next podcast that we're going to do, part two, is going to be where you're going. Because this chapter, of you're not finished. You're far from finished. I'm I'm really hopeful that there's a lot of chapters left in in the book. But uh, when people say... Retired or you're, I said, no, no, I didn't retire. No, no, you'll never I've made retire. A, I make a, make a career move. So when somebody retires after 40 years, I said, so you're making a career move. No, I'm retiring. I said, no, you're making a career move. The career move might be lying in a hammock, drinking a cold beer. The career move might be driving a bookmobile. There's well, Tommy ever. Mailman hasn't retired no. because he's, he's the Green Bay News Network reporter now. So that is, that is what I love it. That it is lovely. Down in Cuba, I roared laughing. Watching Tom Mailman yeah. from Green Bay and um, yeah, with the Southwester, it the, was the microphone. I showed the, I showed oh. dozens of people in the community. I said this guy was one of our school teachers back in the day, and I said, and he's still just having a great time. So yeah. it's, uh, I really value your time. I appreciate you okay. coming in the studio. I look forward to again. We'll we'll have you again in the next uh, well, you know a couple of months just to to follow up on what, some of the things you're doing. And, and I want to applaud you on behalf of our community. And, and raise a glass of our appreciation for all the things that you've done and all the things that you continue to do. Because um, if you multiply David Walker's effort in our community, this community becomes a much greater place to live in. And you've left behind your footprints it. because leaders now have learned from you and have continued and, and taken that torch on, like the David Mitchells yeah. of the world, the Andrew Tanners, and many others that have come through. We learn from each other. Absolutely. Yeah. All the best is Dennis Woodworth and Michael Woodworth on the Weekly Woodcast. And we have our special guest, David Walker. Part one now, part two to follow. <laughs> Thanks for uh, joining us today.